Good morning, family. I know everybody's transitioning right now. So, yes, today I turned 28. Amen? 28 is not that. 42. 42, right? That's where I'm at. I remember when I was young and I was like, 40s is like the end of the world. And you know, like how men are now, we're dying at like 80 now, right? So I'm at a midlife crisis moment, right? That's where I'm at. Good morning. I was just overwhelmed this morning. I, when they, Ephraim announced and he said, uh, you know, how many, how many people are sick? And just like two people raised their hands. I was one of them. I think I was sick with you. But then he said, how many people are sick in the sowing? And so many people raised their hands. And that's so overwhelming. To know that people are hurting, people are broken, people need answers. And I hope today to, in the message I share, will bring some clarity to how we can be after God's heart. And how he sees us today and how he chooses us today. No matter what circumstance you're in today, God chooses you today. And he chooses you for greatness. And God doesn't want to allow these situations that you're in right now to kind of dictate to how you're going to live and how things are going to be. Because I just want to let you know, and can I just prophesy over you, everything is temporary. And this too shall pass, whatever you're going through. Whatever is overwhelming in your life is going to pass. Amen? So I'm going to pray. Lord God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this church, Lord. I thank you for the people that are here, Lord. Lord, I love doing this, Lord. I love ministering to your people. I love encouraging your people. I love seeing people broken and being set free, Lord God. So I just pray you just have your way, Holy Spirit. Every need that is in this place today, I, f- I pray, Lord God, that you'll use me, Lord God, to speak it, Lord. Speak it to life, Lord God. Whatever's broken, whatever's in pieces, whatever's struggling, whatever confusion that, here to, here to, that is here today, Lord. I pray you'll give me the words, Lord God, and the, and the uh, anointing, Father God, to break those chains and bring people into the place that you desire them to be, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, Pastor, we've been going on this series called From Here to There, right? Pastor Gary did it Saul last week. My job was David. Now, David's story is mad long. And then George's like, you're going to go through the whole story. And I was like, man, I, I was having like, I have, Saturday mornings, I have like these this uh, emotional breakdown when I'm like, how am I supposed to do this? What am I supposed to do? But then God revealed to me, he's like, you know, if David's called a man after God's own heart, I know a lot of us as believers, if you never heard that before, it says David, King David was a man after God's heart. And when you hear the stories and see the things that he did, it's like, how is that possible? How is it that God sees that man and says, you know what? This guy is after me. He's after my desires. And I believe God wants you to be after him today. Whatever his heart is for you, whatever his heart is desired for you today, God wants you to chase after that. But I'm going to give you some little pointers and stories along the way that's going to show how the David, um, how his heart was. And how did he do things. And how he was always seeking out the Lord. And how he was always asking God for strength. Even in his sin. Even in his big, big sin, which we're going to talk about today. He still went to God and called out to him for answers. Amen? Uh. I'm going to talk about 1 Samuel. Let's start right now in 1 Samuel 13, 14. I'm going to read a lot of scriptures. So if you've got a Bible, some of them I'm going to skim over. I'm just going to read it through or kind of talk it through, but I just want to follow the scriptures. It says, this is what happened with Saul. Saul right now was in a point where he disobeyed God. He, so over and over he disobeyed God. He never repented. He never asked God for forgiveness for what he has done. So he got to this place where now he's being told the kingdom is being robbed from him right now. It says, but now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler over his people because you have not kept the Lord's commandment. God has chosen a man after his own heart to rule his people. Um, did I just read that? Yes, I did. Samuel was told, told to stop mourning over Saul and go to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem, and he has chosen the one that would be king. So now he's going down to the house of Jesse. Jesse uh, has seven sons, which I would say eight sons because David is one of his youngest sons. And he's going down now to choose that person who's going to be king. This is Samuel 1.16. When he, they arrived, Samuel saw Elam and thought, surely. Now this is what happened right now. A lot of times when we get to uh, um, choose people or we're looking for people for different positions, the first time we look at we look at the outer exterior person. So if you look at someone that could preach or something like that, you're looking for this man with a suit and stuff like that, you don't think you find somebody in the ghetto, right? 
preaching to people and ministering to people. So Saul has this position where he's looking at the outer exterior of, of David. He says, when they arrived, he saw Elab and Thor. Surely the Lord's anointing stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called, I don't know his name, Abinab? He calls Abby. I'm going to call him And had him pass in front of Samuel, but said, said the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse had, had excuse me, Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen none of these. So he asked Jesse, are these the only sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send, him, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and he had him brought in. He was glowing with wealth, with health, and had a fine appearance and a handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. You know, one of the things I was telling to Pastor George in the back, you know, when you're choosing people to serve God or to lead in God, the first thing you have to look at is, just, are they taking care of the sheep? You know, one of the things uh, um, a lot of times we look at, we look at someone has talents and abilities and stuff, and we want to use them for, for great things. But God is looking for people's hearts that care about the people. It doesn't matter if you could talk well. It doesn't matter if you're really smart. It doesn't matter if you're tall, if you're handsome. He's looking for people after his own heart, people that care about you. Now, I, I told this story a thousand times where I was the kind of person I didn't care about nobody. <laughs> I really didn't care about nobody. I love people. I love my kids and my wife. But, you know, when I have to care for someone else or deal with someone else's issues, I didn't want to deal with that. Somebody had a problem. I said, man, I got to talk to this. I was one of those people. I told my wife, man, I got to pray with this guy now. This guy want to talk to me now. I want to go home. You know, I was a big, I'm a big Giants fan, so when it hits 1 o'clock, I want to get out of here. But then God had broke my heart and said, you know what, I want you to love people. If you love me, you're going to love my people. And in my life where just loving for people and caring for people, and I was like, I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want to worry about how people feel. I don't want to worry about how people are hurting. And then you get to places when you start caring, it's like, how can I help them? I can't even do anything. I don't know what to do to save them. I don't know what to do to help them in their prayers. You can cry out. You can pray with people. You can encourage them. But sometimes people be stuck in that same situation. But my heart is for you guys, honestly now. In my life now, 42 years later, (laughs) my heart is for you guys. And I just want to encourage you guys today and believe that God is going to do great things. Amen? Amen. All right. So uh, where am I at? I am lost here. Hold on one second. Okay, I want to start right here. I want to start with uh, one of the traits that David had was a heart of a servant. Obviously, he was tending the sheep, right? Another thing came when Saul was, Saul, because Saul disobeyed God, he had the spirit taken, the Holy Spirit was taken away from him. So he was tormented by a demonic spirit. So every time at night he would try to rest, he would be tormented with these things. So the servants around him said, you know what? Go find someone to play a lyre. I think a lyre is like a harp, right, or something like that? Come play a lyre. And as they play it, it will soothe you and you'll be able to rest. So they hear, they're looking to find somebody to find it. And they say, hey, there's this boy named, in the house of Jesse named David that he can come over. And he's very skilled. And he's a warrior. And he could come over and play the thing for you. So they bring up, they call out for Jesse. He comes to the house. And he arrives. He, um, David um, Saul falls in love with him. He cares for him. And he says, you know what? Stay in my service and be my armor bearer. So every time the spirit will come, David will play this harp. And as he will play the harp, it will soothe the spirit away. One of, the, one of the parts of being a man after God's own heart is being a servant. I just talked before how I care about people. But one of the things is, is you have to care about people. You have to love people. And the other next step is serving people. Serving God and serving. Sometimes you're in situations like your job. And, you know, your jobs could be kind of wicked. Because, you know, Saul, you're going to hear about Saul's story, how he treated David. There's a lot of times where things are wicked, but you still have to serve on the people. You have gifts and abilities. David had a gift. And as he played that, the spirit will leave. What, what is that God has given to you today that could serve someone else? How can you serve our church? You know, a lot of times we talk about service and we talk about the church. But how can you serve the church? What gifts do you have? Do you know you have impact in people's lives? You know, there's something about you individually that can change someone's life or could break somebody free from something. I go to my job and, you know, my job is crazy. Everything's crazy in my job. I don't want to get into details about everything that's going on there. But 
just being in the place and be able to just share. And, and I remember this, early this year, I was fasting for my job. So I told them. I said, y'all, I'm fasting for you guys. They don't know what that is. They're thinking of like Muslim fasting and stuff like that. But I was, I'm fasting for you guys, and I'm believing that whatever we're asking for will come to pass. And I send texts and emails and encouraging words, and I don't put the scripture, but I write this whole scripture out to them. And they're like, oh, wow, you're encouraging words, you're encouraging words. And it brings peace to people. It brings joy. Everybody knows me as the guy that makes everybody laugh and have fun. And he brings like, the, where everything's at down, he brings it up. I have a gift, so I go into the place I am, and I use that gift. I serve these people, though they don't serve God. And they don't, they don't treat them, put them in high esteem, but I still go there to serve them. I come to serve this church. I come to serve them in my home. Part of a heart of a, of a man after God's own heart is servanthood. Having a heart to serve. So at the first stage, if you're looking to serve God and you're looking to see God, you want, to, want him to see you as he sees you as a man after God's heart or a woman after his heart, servanthood is the first thing. Amen? Here's the next one. This is where a lot of men like this. The heart of a warrior. You know, men be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we forget to serve and we forget to love and all that, right? That's pretty true, right? Some people, you know how the men, right? A lot of times men get excited, like, yeah, iron and swords and, uh, what is it? I was going to say American gladiator. Oh, jeez. Gladiator, not gladiator. What's that? 300, right? We get excited about these things. I'm not talking about our brothers here, right? We're not talking about this church, right? No. I'm not talking about, I'm not making fun of anybody, but I'm saying some people have this, this zeal to like swords and stuff like that, but ain't got no love in their hearts. They're missing something. So I'm seeing, I'm going into stages for you guys to see, but sometimes people don't have that heart, right? But, but what a warrior's heart, what does that look like? First Samuel 17 verses 32 to 37. David said to Saul, this is when the, I think Goliath, I believe Goliath is going to face Goliath and Goliath is a giant. He's a Philistine and he's out there, um, um, Talking trash to the Israelites, and they're all scared. Nobody wants to step up to him. Nobody, every, every uh, day, I think for 40 days or something like that, he would come out, and, and he would trash talk him and trash talk their God, and no one did anything. Everybody was scared. So one day, David comes along, and he's, I guess he's going back and forth. He's serving the Saul as an armor bearer, playing the, the, the leader for him, and he's going to tend the sheep. So his father says, go bring food to your brothers. And he goes there. He sees the Philistine talking trash. So he's like, what? What's going on here? Why is nobody doing something? Why is no one saying something about this giant? He's over here talking this nonsense and no one's stepping up to it. And this is what David says, right? David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on the account of this Philistine. Your servant will go out and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. Already, see what I'm talking about? They're already looking at his outer appearance, right? At this time, I think um, David's 15 years old. And he's saying, I'm going to fight this giant. This eight-foot giant is talking all this mess, but he's going to face him. Um, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion, I'm stop right there. Hold on a second. When I was talking about sheep, attending sheep, which is the people of God, and he's like that, you learn a lot when you're tending people's sheep. You learn how to deal with attitudes. I learned how to deal with a lot of attitudes with people. People challenging you and people saying, you should do this as a man of God. You should do that. And then, and in the inside, you know, the old school is in there saying, I want to slap this one in the mouth, you know. I, 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 I go through a lot of that sometimes. Not, I don't, not too much now because I learn a lot. But it's, I, in the street, I would have punched this guy in the face for talking to me like that. You know, but, it, but it, it, when you get to those points, you train and you learn. And you learn how to deal with people. You learn how to talk to people. So as David's out in the field taking care of the sheep, he learned a couple of things. Where am I at? Um, but I'll read it again. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off sheep from the flock, I went after him, struck it and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by this hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised feeling. You're going to hear a lot about uncircumcised. <laughs> a lot of craziness in this Old Testament stuff. Watch. You're going to see. Um, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine, Philistine will be like one of them. Because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who, who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the, the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. See, in his training out there protecting the sheep, he learned how to defend himself. And defend the sheep. So when he saw the giant, he was like, he's no different than one of these things that came at me. He said, I will do the same I did to them. And how God rescued me out of that, God's going to rescue me out of this situation. So if you know the story, what happens? 
David goes out. The Philistines talking trash again. David starts talking trash back to him. I'm just, I'm, this is the, the Ebonics way of explaining the Bible. So he goes out and talks trash to him. The giant gets pissed off and starts walking towards him to fight him. And then David starts running, picks up his stones and starts running at him. It flings a stone. You know, we don't go to battle with stones, right? Throwing rocks. Unless you're in Palestine, you know, they throw in rocks all the time against missiles. But he throws a rock and it goes embedded into the giant's head and kills the giant, cuts the giant's head off. That's a warrior's heart. At 15 years old, he realized where his strength came from. As a warrior, your strength don't come from the outside world. You know, I, you know, a lot of times we all come from like the streets at times. And we think that that's our strength. And I, I can be like this and be like that. But your strength don't come from the ghetto. You learn things. You learn how to listen to, you know, figure out nonsense. You know, when somebody's talking foolishness to you, you can identify. Because when we come to Christ, and let me just explain something. When we come to Christ, we don't lose common sense. A lot of people come to church and they lose the whole common sense of the street. If you was in the street, you learned something. But in this place, he realized something. He realized that this, um, the strength I get out there is from the Lord. It was God that rescued me from that situation. Though he was the one that killed the bear, though he was the one that killed the lion, he realized that his strength came from the Lord. And as a warrior, your strength comes from the Lord. I got another thing. Remember I was talking about foreskins. Here we go. Ready? Um... In First uh, Samuel eighteen twenty five, this is biblical stuff. I ain't, I ain't trying to be inappropriate. This is biblical, right? Saul found out his daughter was in love with David because he because of of Saul's jealousy and fear, he made an offer to David to marry his daughter if he did this one thing. This is our verse twenty five. Saul replied, "Say to David, the king wants no other price for the bride than a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on his enemies." Saul's plan was to have David fall by the hands of the Philistine. So. He wanted him to go out and kill 100 Philistine arm, members of the army. And he wanted him to remove their foreskins and then present it to him. He was doing a suicide mission. Basically saying, you go out there and you're going to die. He wanted to kill him. He was jealous. But if you know David's a warrior heart, he's not a punk, right? He goes out there, kills 200 men, and presents to the king 200 foreskins on him to, on him to marry his daughter. My mother used to say this one thing, walk the second mile. We, as a kid, we didn't know what that meant. She would say, walk the second mile. She was telling us in an adult way, whenever someone is doing something to you, go the next mile for it. If they ask you to do this, why don't you take it another level? Even if they're rude, even if they're mean, even if they're disrespectful to you, walk the second mile. The, the, the first thing was to say, you know, I'm just going to tolerate you. I'm just going to tolerate the nonsense. I'm just going to tolerate how you treat me. But sometimes to go the second mile says, you know what? Not only am I going to tolerate it, but I'm going to love you on top of it. And one of the things when you work with sheep and you work with people and you have a warrior's heart, you look beyond the situation that's coming at you. People will come out with you with stuff that will disrespect you, dishonor you, hurt you, but you got to look past that. If I love the sheep and I love the people of God, I have to look past the offenses that come at me. And in this example, David got to a point where he said, you know what? He didn't know he was trying to kill him, but he said he's asking for something. He said, I'm going to go to a second mile and I'm going to do better than what you're asking for for me. And I'm going to honor you so I can marry your daughter. Are we willing to go the second mile when it comes to people that harm us? When it comes to things that you want? If you have a warrior's heart, you're going to go the second mile. You're not going to sit in them when someone offends you and you're going to be like, you know what? I stay in this place of offense. And now I'm in this offense. Now I'm angry at everybody. I'm angry at her. I'm angry at him. Now I can't move forward. Now God can't use me because I'm angry. It's time to walk the second mile. Yes, I tied on my thing, King of Hearts. God loves us and God wants to see great things in our lives. But you got to have a warrior's heart. Not to fight, but to fight the good fight of faith. Not to be in the physical place, but to be a place in your heart where you say, you know, I'm going to go beyond that. Amen? I got this double mixed right here, but a heart that feared the Lord. A lot of us... I don't want to say a lot of us here, but a lot of times I've seen amongst the sheep that we have no fear of God. So in other words, I'm going to sin and do things I want to do and do whatever I feel like doing. And God, God's okay with it because he's merciful and he loves me. But if you have fear of God, you won't do certain things. You're going to honor the word. You're going to honor what it says. A lot of us don't honor. A lot of people, a lot of us are afraid. I'm going to say a lot of us. I'm going to say you. A lot of us are afraid to do things knowing that how people may react to it. 
I'm going to give you a story right here. In 1 Samuel 24, um, I think it's starting at verse 4, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure. It says, one time Saul was chasing the Philistines when he got word of, that David was hiding in the desert. Now, j- at this point, um, you know, Saul is jealous of David. So he's, he tried to kill him several times. And now David's fleeing in the, in the desert places, hiding out there. And he has his posse out there, all stuff like that. There's a lot of story to this. But he's out there right now. And David's, um, um, Saul just actually got to chasing down the Philistine army. And he got word that David was in the desert. So now he's heading towards him to get him. So he got word that David was hiding in the desert. He took 3,000 men to hunt David down. He stopped by a, 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 a he stopped by a have to relieve himself. He had to relieve, oh my God, this is the Bible, I'm telling you. He had to go relieve himself in a, in a cave. So David and his crew were hiding. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands and for you to deal with your, as you wish. Now this is, this is something important right here. David was told something, that God will give the enemies into his hands. If you're not careful that you don't hear the voice of the Lord, people will use the word for you to do something wrong. They'll tell you, didn't the Lord say you shouldn't, you shouldn't follow? You know, let's say, I'm going to talk about leaders. You know, it says, follow us as we follow Christ, right? As we do the things. Right. So people say, well, I don't like what he did today, so I'm not going to follow him now. That's not what it's talking about. People will twist scriptures to fit what they want, so they to accomplish what they want. And if you're not careful, you'll be in disobedience. And people will use the word to get to, for you, say, this is the word that says this, and you end up doing something that's totally false and totally off, but you think you're doing God's will because it's scriptural. Right? Check this out. Um, so he says, I will give the enemies into your hands as you do with as you wish. After David was conscience-stricken um, con- for having cut off, he had cut off the robe of India. He just went up and cut the, the hem of, of, of Saul's robe in there. And he said, as he, cu- he cut off the corner of his robe, he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master. He's, this, he's honoring this man that, that hates his guts, that's jealous of him, that's trying to kill him, but he still honors him. He said, I'm going to read this again. He says, and the man said, this is the day. Okay, wait. Afterwards, David is conscious stricken as he cut off the, the corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid it that I should do such a thing to my master. The Lord has, the Lord's anointed or, or lay my hand on him. For he has anointed of, for he is anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and said, and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. That's so important. If you fear the Lord. And you fear that what God, God has, has set up. A lot of times even, um, I was talking about before about our leaders and stuff like that, how we serve, we serve our leaders. We should pray for our leaders. When you see things that are wrong, you pray. Straight up, if George was having sacrifices up here, I'm like, yo, I'm out of here. You know what I'm saying? Let's be real. There's some things that are like crazy. If he's taking chickens and cutting their heads off up here and then burning them and staying and saying, We're going, this is what God is telling him to do. You should know the word enough to be like, you know what, we need to bounce. This is crazy here. But it's not like things are not happening like that. People take a little offenses or things that, that, that people's imperfections and they start trying to find doctrine and say, the Lord told me to leave. The Lord told me to do this. The Lord told me to do this. Now you go over there, you make a mess everywhere you go. Can I be honest? Sometimes the storm is in you, not in the people you're looking at. Sometimes you got a storm inside of you and you're trying to fix, you're trying to make it, um, make everyone perfect around you when you have the imperfection inside of you. And these men were tired of being out in that wilderness. They're tired of being in the desert. They said, look, this is an opportunity. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. We were talking about last week. My wife was talking about having integrity. And we look in a place where we say, you know, I, this is the opportunity I can take. Opportunities will be presented to you all the time. But if the God said to do it, there's good versus God. I heard, I heard this, this story about this book that's about good versus God. And a lot of times we think God is doing, God said to do this, God said to do it, when it just because it's good. Just because it's good doesn't mean God told you to do it. You could waste a lot of years and waste a lot of trouble. I could imagine if they would have killed Saul at that moment, what could have happened to David? For disobeying God and killing his anointed. Did Saul deserve it? Probably. He probably did to get his head cut off in that cave, right? But he honored God. He honored the word. He honored the law. He honored God's will for his life. So he would not touch him. So part of a, part of a heart after God, a man after God or a woman after God's heart is have a heart of, of fear of the Lord. A heart that fears God. It's so important. You know, I'm always, my wife says, don't ever say, um, I'm trying to be real. Don't say it. Just say it because everybody knows you're real already. You got to be careful that we don't live a life of sin and do things the way we feel like it. And because we live in a place of grace and God is merciful and grace, that we can just do whatever we want. I'm trying to be careful. I'm trying to be careful not to offend people, hurt people. But I'm gonna, can I be real? 
I said it. She said not to say that, right? You got to be careful. God calls us to be married before we have children and things like that. God has mercy and God blesses and God does stuff. But you must be careful that we don't just live a life that the world lives and then say, God, bless this. Can we be careful with that? God's not going to bless things that are not out of his will. When you get in his will and you repent and you see God, God, you see the blessing of God over everything you did. Even the things that are done wrong, you see God's favor on the situation. But if until then, it's not blessed. And I'm sorry. You could go quote the scriptures. You could look in the scriptures all over there. It's not blessed. You got to be careful that we live in a life that fears the Lord. There is no reverence of God a lot of people don't have. There's no reverence. A lot of us grew up old school in the old churches, and we see the reverence. It's a little religious and a little bit legalistic and stuff like that. But there's some things that were so true that we, that we learned back then was the fear of the Lord. I will not be over there trying to remove George or, or, or try to see the, the demise of my leaders or, or people around me because I feel a certain way. Woe to me. Not only, not only thing, be careful with your tongue. If we lived in the days of David, a lot of us would be killed for talking trash about our leaders and people. Oh, I don't like them. I don't do this. Oh, they, they're that and then like that. They shouldn't be like that. Gossiping and all that stuff like that. Back in the days, you would get killed for that. We should bring that back, right, George? No? no? But we have mercy. We love the people of God. You know, people talk trash about me. You know, I think if I found out, if I found out exactly what people say, I'll be confronting you. I'll be real. I think I'm anointed to confront people. Not to fight you and stuff like that, but I want to confront you, bro. Why are you talking about me like that? What did I do to you? How did I hurt you? What did I say bad about you? That you got to a place where you disrespected me and dishonoring me like that. Besides, not even because I'm a minister or anything like that, as a friend or as a man of God or as a, a peer that lives, lives in the same neighborhood and the same church that you go to, why would you do that to me? Why would you hurt the ones you love? Then besides, you have a calling as a minister and you go and attack people? Bro, that's like witchcraft. You always speaking virus out your mouth and fire out your mouth and thinking, and then, and then the next, and the next beat out your mouth, you're saying glory to God in the highest. Where's the fear of the Lord? David had a fear of God. He feared and reverent God. He said, you know what, Lord, you're real and you're merciful and you're good. And I will not go above what you have called and put placed in line. If you put people above me, you put people that's an authority on me, parents, kids with parents. If you put your parents above you, honor your parents. They don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. Me and my wife don't have it all together. My kids have to honor us. Because it's the set things that God has placed over them. Amen? Let me not stay there too long. People again give me dirty looks. I'll confront you afterwards at the church. <laughs> Amen. The next one is a heart of compassion. I read this story about David in this situation I'm going to talk about where it got me to a place where I, I, I don't know if I could do that. You can love people when people do wicked to you and you hear of their demise and it breaks your heart. That's a heart of compassion. Because all along, when David's heart wasn't in a place where he wanted to see people hurt or see people punished for what they did, what he wanted to see was people redeemed and set free. This is in, found in um, 2 Samuel 1. I'm going to start at uh, verse 11. At this point, David, um, Saul, and Jonathan uh, were going to battle, and they lost their lives. And uh, one of the men come to um, David, and he's about to tell him what happened. This is verse 11. Then David, then David and all his men with him took hold of their clothes and tore them. They mourned and wept and fasted till the evening for Saul and his son Jonathan. And for the army of the Lord and for the nations of Israel because they have fallen by the sword. David said to the young men, who brought him, who brought him the report? This is, in this story, we're going to talk about not only the, the compassion, but we're going to talk about the fear of God. He said, um... I said, the morning wept and fasted till evening for Saul has set his son Jonathan and the army, excuse me, and for the army of the Lord and for the nations of Israel because they have fallen by the sword. David said to the young man who brought him the report, where are you from? I am the son of a foreigner, uh, an Ammonite, uh, Amakite, 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 Amma. He answered, David said, ask him, why, David asked him, why, why weren't you afraid to lift your hand to destroy the, the Lord's anointed? In this situation, Saul is dying. He's in a place of dying. He's called a guy over. You know in the movies when the guy is wounded, he's like, come on, push the sword in deeper to kill me. He's talking to him, why did you do that? 
Like, where's your fear? Even though he's dying on the floor, what's the fear of God that you will come in and actually stab him to, to complete the job? Um, he said, uh, David's grief was expressed for his brother and king from the blood of the slain. And am I right? Yeah. And, and from, the slain, from the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back and the sword of Saul did not turn unsatisfied. Uh, am I reading the wrong thing? No, I'm not. Okay, this is, a, this is um, Saul's cry out of lamentation. He's like a, a, lament, a lamentation is like a big cry out, like you, you're mourning. And, you know, you know, like, I don't know, you go to a funeral. Usually funerals, I don't see that. But you go to a funeral and people are crying out and like, oh, you know, they're screaming and stuff like that. Well, this is his version of screaming. They, they use words back then. We don't use words now when people pass. We just scream and cry, right? But he's using words and he's saying, son and Jonathan, if the life... If the life there were loved and excuse me, in the life they were loved and admired. Now, if Saul, if somebody was out to kill you, and someone was throwing spears at you, and someone was trying to destroy you, and somebody's trying to uh, remove you and take your life, would you speak kind words when they die? Is our heart so compassionate that when when, when we when someone loses or someone falls to, from sin or somebody goes leaves the church and they're not serving the Lord no more, is your heart compassionate enough to cry out for those people? I told you there was a stage in my life where, I'm being real, I was like, That's, they deserve that. That's sin. That's their sin it cost them. This is not recent. Please, no, don't think that. This is a long time ago when I was uh, 15. I just turned 28. But, but it was, it, it's this place of they saw someone die and they weep for that person. So I'm going to keep reading. I'm bugging, right? They were swifter than eagles and they were stronger than lions. This is talking about Saul and Jonathan. Daughters of Israel, weep for Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and and finery, who adorned your garments with ornaments of gold. This is verse 25. How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan. He loved Jonathan. Jonathan, this is not a a weird relationship. He's going to read it. He said, I love you. He's going to say, I love you more than a a woman. But (laughs) that's not what you think. Jonathan was Saul's son. And when, when Saul, Jonathan would tell David, you know what, he's not, it's not really what you think it is. He's not really trying to get you like that. When he actually heard his father speak like that, he turned to David. He's like, you know, I'm basically, I'm on your side. My dad is trying to get you. And, I, and, and they, they have like a, a brother, close brother relationship of love. And he said, I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. For, um, your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than a woman. <laughs> I don't know about that. I guess he's so expressive in how he feels, but I don't think I'll say that. Amen? Especially in the society we live today. I, I, I couldn't say that. I love you more than my wife. No. I'll choose not to follow that scripture. Amen? I'll pick and choose. <laughs> Whoa, we're men, right? But that's part of compassion, yo. It could be. It goes beyond your your human thoughts to say I love you more than women. He's he's. he's I can't even get into. It. Amen. Let's move on. So now we're in a place where. Let me stop laughing. Hold on. Amen. Now we're in a place where they hold on a second. I like the jokes, and my mind is getting all crazy right now. So I gotta remove it. Amen. I want you to think highly of me. So at this point, um, David, um, after they died, David's anointed king of Judah, king of Israel. And um, they just come out of a battle, a fight of seven years, so to gain the, everything, um, to gain the whole kingdom. And, um, oh, where am I at? And then, um, so it, it, in kingdoms back in those days, I don't know how it works now, but in kingdoms back in those days, when, when, when a king dies or his son dies, they look for the last heir in that family. So all of Saul's sons, everybody died. There was no one heir. There was only one left for heir. And the heir was Mephibosheth. Now Mephibosheth was, a, was, a, was, I think, Jonathan's son. He was Jonathan's son. And he actually, uh, he was crippled. He fell. I think somebody dropped him at one point. And when he was young, and he became crippled. So when they heard that David took over the kingdom, they actually removed Mephibosheth and hit him in a place. A place called Lodabar. It means a low place. And he was hiding out there in fear of David. So this is 2 Samuel 9, 7. This is about compassion. They are, Mephibosheth is brought to the kingdom and he goes to David and he, and he, sits, he stands before David and he says this. David says this. Don't be afraid, David said to him. 
for surely I for surely show for excuse me for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. In a situation like that, using those in those kingdoms that will kill all the all the all the sons, so there will be no one to take over his throne. But his compassion for Mephibosheth got into a place where he said, "Not only I'm going to take care of you, but everything that your fa- was your father's, your grandfather's, I'm going to give it to you." And you will never have to work again. You will never have to do anything. I will take care of you. How many of us, if our enemies did something wrong to us, will we uh, have that same thought process? That we will care so much about those people when it's time to restore them or the time to or, or, or kill them or, or we're supposed to do negative to them, all we show is compassion. And they said, whatever belongs to you, I want to give it back to you. God is like that with us. When we're in our sin and we're in loss and we're confused and God comes to us and he, we accept God for his goodness, he restores to us everything that was taken away. All the years that the enemy tried to rob, all the years that were taken away from whether you were out in the streets or, or under abusive situations or you're in prison, whatever the situation is, God said, I'll restore to you all those years back to you. A heart of compassion does that. It restores years that was taken and robbed for you. Amen? This is the last one. It's pretty sure there's so much more. Amen? David had a heart of repentance. I think a lot of times it's so important when we do wrong, a lot of us just say sorry, right? But there's a lot of sorry people in jail. And the reason is that because they say sorry, but they never change their ways. I want to encourage you today that when you say sorry to God, you make a, you make a declaration to God and say, look, Lord, I'm sorry for this. I'm going to use your strength and help me to never do this again. And if I do do it again, I'm going to go right back to you in the same way and ask you again for the strength not to do it again. He had a heart of repentance. Um, in the story, I'm going to read, uh, this is basically in 2 Samuel 11. Um, this is crazy. David's walking up in the night, right? He's, uh, I don't know, we can't sleep or something like that. So he's walking on the, on the top of the, his home. And he goes and sees Bathsheba. Bathsheba's a female. He sees her bathing. Now, I've read some history where she's, it's almost like, I don't know, it's, and my mind was thinking of Cochino, right, with David. But she was in a ritual where she had a, her, her, her monthly cycle. And so she was in the law. She was going to these babies and washing. So she was in that stage of cleaning herself out and washing. So David sees her and he likes her. He's, you know, his, his eyes, he gets excited. So he asks him to bring her over to his temple and he lays with her, which there's kids here. So he lays with her, right? She gets pregnant. So as she gets pregnant, he sends her back to the way. So her husband comes back, Uriah. He comes back, he's in a battle out there, and David gets, you know, when you sin, you just cover it up with more sin and more sin and more sin. So David gets to a point where he says, why don't you go home to your wife? You've been out of war for so long. So he's telling, basically telling him, go home and sleep with your wife. So he can say the pregnant baby that's in her belly will be his, and he won't tell the difference. But Uriah was like, nah, I'm not going nowhere. The ark is not in the, in the temple. The ark is intense. The people are intense in battle, and I'm going to sleep with them and stay out here. So David has another, uh, another option to do it. We're going to be covering one sin after the other. So David says, send them in the front line. And when he sends it for him to die, so he sends him in the front line, he ends up dying. He puts them out there against the Hittites, I believe, and they get killed out there. Um, Bathsheba mourns and mourns for her husband. After that, David takes her in as his wife. But, you know, can I tell you something? When you're a man after God's own heart or a woman after God's own heart, God loves you so much and he has so much expectations of you. And he know, he can see right through you. Just like when he found David, he didn't look at the outer exterior. He looked right in the heart. He knew who, who he was. God looks at us and he knows exactly who we are inside of our hearts. I don't care what kind of facade you had. I don't care how you act. He looks right in the depths of your heart. He knows who you are. So because he loves David, he's not going to let him get away with it. That leads us to 2 Samuel 12. Now, um, uh, Samuel the prophet, he's no longer, he's, Nathan's the prophet at the time. And David is confronted by the prophet Nathan. Nathan tells him a story that gets, David, and he, he tells him this weird story, right? It goes like this. Nathan said, David, uh, he tells him a story about sheep and, um, I don't know what it is, uh, sheep and how the poor man, and he's just being, gives, giving a story, an example of what happened. So David becomes so furious and angry. He says, this man deserves death. Not only he deserves death, he deserves to give, a, give back to everything he had taken from this person. And Nathan says this, this is found in verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. 
This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house to you, your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you despise the, the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now, therefore, the sword would never depart from your house because you despised me and you took the wife of Uriah on the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Out of, the house of, out of your own house, I am going to bring calamity on you. Before your eyes, I will take your wives and give them to the one who is close to you. And he will sleep with your wives in broad daylight. You did this in secret, but I will do, I will do this in the, in the broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are to go, you're not going to die. But because by doing this, um, you have shown utter contempt for the Lord. The son born to you will die. So the son that Bathsheba got on birth for, she was going to die. See, God, he, had to, he, he, asked for, he said he was wrong for what he did. But in every sin, there's a consequence. God can redeem you and God's going to restore you. But there's a consequence to everything we do. And at this situation, I'm not saying God's going to kill your babies and stuff like that. That's not what I'm saying. But in this story, the baby, he lost the baby. And I want to read um, Psalms 51 because it gives that part. But I want to know what was his heart in that moment. You imagine if you did something wrong and now something was taken, taken from you and your heart is broken. What would you be response? I remember when um, me and my wife, when we were dating, we was loving God and we was doing stuff like that. But you know what? When you, you're in secret and you start doing things you're not supposed to do, it happens to everybody. You're not in the public eye, things happen. And she got pregnant. And she ended up uh, miscarrying the baby. And the first thing that came to my mind was angry with God. I was so angry. I was like, why did you do that? Why did you allow this? You know that I made a mistake, but why did you have to allow to kill a baby? And I blame God for my own sin. I blame God for the consequences that sin brings. He didn't kill my baby, but the consequences of sin brought this on. And I was angry with God. I was like, why would you do this? But I did what David did. I went, went and did it again. And then having my first son, amen. But I'm just telling you about a lot of times when we sin, um, we want to blame others and we don't want to take responsibility for what it is. And I want to tell you that David took responsibility over this. And this is the last thing. I'm going kind of long, right? You told me to do the whole story of David, right, George? Oh, excuse me. Gary said, Pastor George, right? Remember something? Like that? Anyway, this is David um, crying about the situation. He says, have mercy on me, oh God. I want you to take this for yourself, wherever you're at right now. Whatever you're broken, whatever you're angry about, whatever you're, we have done wrong. I want you to take this as your way to approach God to see if he redeemed you. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before you. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak. That, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I am brought forth in iniquity and sin, and in the sin of my mother's conceived me. Behold, you deserve truth in word parts and in the hidden parts. You make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out my iniquities. Creating me, this is so important, creating me a clean heart. A God, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and behold me, be, uh, excuse me, and uphold me by, my, by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from, from the, guilt, the guilt of bloodshed, O oh God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud your righteousness, O Lord. Open my lips and my mouth and shall, be, excuse me, open my, excuse me, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of our God are broken, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. That's a lot right there, right? But this is him crying out for what he had done. I'm not saying you got to say all this stuff when you cry out to God. 
But you have to know one thing. If you're a man after, a woman after God's own heart, you know where your source of strength comes from. You know where your freedom comes from. You know where your salvation comes from. You know where your deliverance comes from. And when you seek that place and you go to that place and say, there's only you can set me free from this situation. Only you can take me away from the sin that I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with. Only you can take me away from the place where I'm struggling and I'm broken and, and all these problems are occurring. You, only you can take me away from that. And when you cry out, God comes and redeems. The Lord's choosing you today. He's looking at the depths of your heart. He's looking beyond your anger and your frustration. And he's looking for a woman and men of God that are going to seek him totally. That your heart will be towards him. That you will look to him for every answer. That you rely on him and trust him for every situation. That you will not be afraid of the things out here, but you'll fear and reverend the Lord for his goodness and his mercy and his authority and power. What do you want from God today? What is your heart crying out for today? Are there the things of the world you're crying out for? For pleasures, for money? Or are you crying out for God? You want more of God? Because the journey he'll take you on if you choose God is amazing. He'll take you from somewhere where there's nothing and bring you amongst kings and queens. He'll take you in places where you feel like I'm not good enough and I, I don't have the ability or the smarts or the education to do this. And God will put you in positions where you'll do great things. Because you make God your strength. You make God your Lord. You make God your trust. You put your full trust in him. I believe, I believe totally in my heart that God is calling us today for that. Can we stand? God doesn't want to hurt you. God doesn't want to break you. God doesn't want to uh, do anything wrong. He has a hope in the future for your life. But if we don't look, if we don't allow God to, to, to take the things in our heart away where it's bad and to allow the good things inside of us to come out, we'll just be a shell of a man. We'll be like Saul. Always pleasing man, always pleasing people, always trying to do the for someone else, always trying to um, make, make sure everybody else is pleased rather than God is pleased. How many people want to seek the Lord out in that way? I want to be a man or woman after God's own heart. Even in all your mistakes, even in all the stuff you do wrong, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And if you say yes to Jesus today, if you don't know Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, as your God, as your friend, because we get to a place in Christ where he's, he's not just a God and a, and a, a king on a throne, but he's, God says, I'm, you're my friends. And sometimes faithful are the wounds of a friend. Sometimes God got to tell us the truth. Because he loves us so much and he wants to see us free from the things that we're bound by. If you're bound by lust or, or things of that nature like David struggled with, God wants to set you free from that today. If you're bound by money and the things of this world and gaining stuff, God can set you free from that today. If you're bound by addictions, God can set you free from that today. If you're broken in your heart from trauma and things have done in your heart, is like a rock and you can't let it go, God wants to set you free from that today. He has a plan for you, but you have to say yes. You have to seek him out. You have to ask God for strength. You have to trust God that he has a plan for you. I was listening to this song the other day. I'm going to close with this. It was talking about broken places and it's talking about stuff and it's talking about how God is going to do like a miracle in your life. Take the broken journey you're on, all the things that seem so wrong, but you don't realize it's making a puzzle and it's putting a beautiful masterpiece being brought forth. You're part of God's masterpiece. He's drawing you out. You may even be in the, the beginning stages where you can't tell what it is. You know when someone's drawing something? You see those things where they make like, they put their hands and they're drawing like a face and you don't know what it is. And they spin the picture upside down. It's like Martin Luther King or something like that. You ever seen that? You can't tell what it is right now because it looks upside down. You may not know where your life is at. So look, I'm seeking you, God, and everything's going crazy. But it's part of the masterpiece. You may be in a stage where you don't see what's happening, but you don't know what God is completing the work in you. And if you allow him to, he'll complete the work in you. And when he flips that picture upside down, you're going to see the beautiful masterpiece of God created inside your hearts. Amen? So I want to pray. Worship team, you guys can come up. If that's you today, I don't want to make it corny. You know, a lot of times we're afraid to come to the front because I don't want people to see me and stuff like that. You know, bump that, you know? Forget about that. You can stay right where you are if you have to. You want to come to the front or you want to stay in your seat? Stay with your seat. But I'm going to ask you something that you have to declare in your heart. 
And it's not about us. It's not about us seeing you and what seeing what you do. It's about God seeing your heart and you saying yes to Jesus today. If you're asking God, say, Lord, you know what? I want to, I want you in a, in a new way. I want to see you in the way that David saw you. You see my mistakes, you see my faults, you see all the things I struggle with, but I still, I know you look at my heart, Lord God, and I desire to follow you. If that's you, can you raise your hand today? I know that's me. I desire that so much. Excuse me. <laughs> I want to pray over you guys right now. Father God, you see the hearts of your people right now. You see confusion, Lord God. You see doubt, Lord God. You see unbelief right now. You see pain. You see happiness. You see all these different things in our hearts, Lord God. But Lord, we don't want to be a people of fear, Lord God, not to receive everything you have for us. Many of us can say we're so afraid, Lord. I'm so afraid of the future because this one did this to me, Lord. Many of us can say I'm so afraid because I don't want to make the mistakes. I don't want to take responsibilities or, or things like that because I see my family fail. I see my father and mother fail. But, Lord, if I put my trust in you, if we put our trust in you today, Lord God, you can give us the strength of a warrior's heart, Lord God. You can give us a compassionate heart, Lord God. You can give us a servant's heart, Lord God. A heart that fears you, Lord God. And overall, Lord God, a heart of repentance, Lord God. Knowing that we are not perfect and we are not good, Lord God. But you died on the cross, Lord God, to redeem us, Lord. To set us free, Lord God. And your people here today doesn't have to shy away from you, Lord God. And worry that you're going to point out our sin. And worry that you're going to embarrass us in front of people, Lord God. But you want us to come into the light, Lord God, so you can receive the freedom that lies in you, Lord God. The freedom that's only in you, Jesus. I pray over your people, Lord God, whatever they're dealing with today, that they'll lay it on the cross, Lord, today. They'll lay it at your feet, Jesus. And say yes to you, Lord God. Yes to your way, Lord God. Yes to your, your gifts. Yes to your abilities. Yes to your hope, Lord God. And you'll make wonderful kings and queens in this place, Lord God. That will rule with authority, will rule with anointing, rule with compassion, rule with love. Rule with understanding, Lord God. Wherever we go, wherever you take us, Lord God, we will not forget you, Jesus. You are the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord God. We started with you, Lord. You were ending with us, Lord God. So on this journey, Lord, we've put our trust in you. No matter how hard it is, people, we put our trust in God, knowing, Lord, that he knows the way. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody bless the Lord here. We just want to leave, leave this place, but with a little worship in our hearts. Can we do that? I'm totally mindful that there are some here that, uh, that may be here for the first time. And I believe that there's something that God spoke into your heart today. And I pray that you grab that. I pray that that seed that was planted would just grow. You know, there is a rescue for you. There is a place for you in God's family. That's his desire to see no one perish. So if you're coming in this place still struggling with things that you thought you had been left in the past, and you're coming in here feeling guilty and condemned. It's not God's heart. That's not his desire for you. So even as David was a man after God's own heart, it's because when he failed, he was not ashamed to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I messed up. I did it again. Even though I said I wasn't going to do it that last time, I ended up doing the same thing again. Do you see or do you have enough grace and mercy to forgive me another time? And God would forgive him. And God labeled him, you are a man after my own heart. Because I don't expect perfection from none. From none. All I want is that you understand that you need what I have to give to you. That you run after me with all your heart. And even when you make a mistake, you can still, you still run after me. 
So we want to sing this song. And however you feel led, just be led by the Spirit. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin? Jesus is for me. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, oh, come to just need that forgiveness, man. You're at the end of your rope and you're saying, I ain't got nowhere else to go. I, I, Lord, I need you. I came here to hear that today. Well, I'm telling you today that God has heard your prayer and he wants to restore you. So if you're here today, lift your hands. Don't be ashamed. You can close your eyes. You can lift your hands. And it's just you and God right now. It's just you and God right now. And God doesn't care about the way you look on the outside. He's more concerned about what's going in in the inside. And there's a storm right now in the inside. And God wants to calm that storm right now. So I want you to repeat after me. I want you to say, Lord, I am here. I need you because I'm a sinner. And your desire for me is that I should not perish but live eternal life with you. So I acknowledge today that I need you in my life to be my Savior, to forgive me of all sin to blot out all iniquity, Lord. Change me, Lord, from the inside out. I belong to you, Lord. Thank you. Come on, somebody bless the Lord here this morning. That angels rejoice in heaven every time someone comes to the Lord. So we're going to sing this last part of this song. And I want you to declare today that he is your Savior.
I want you to declare that you have a new life. And if you need to connect yourself with some people that love God, well, come here. There's a place for you here at the Sanctuary Fellowship. Oh, what a Savior. Yes, So we bow down before you. Bow down before him. For he is lovable. Christ is risen. What a savior. blessed so be a blessing have a wonderful week bless somebody on the way out